Hey podcast listeners, Mike Rappin, host of the I Read Comic Books podcast here. I know this is a little weird, but we just released a survey for all you listeners out there to take. We really want to get your feedback on the show, so if you have a moment, head over to ircb.us slash survey and give us some info. That's ircb.us slash survey. Anyways, I'll get out of your hair, and let's get on to the show. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two fantastic people that I love to talk about comic books with, Tia Vasiliu. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm so happy that you're here. As always, you're great to talk to, but let's do the thing that we do every week. I'm going to ask you a question. How have you been, and how have comic books been? I'm going to throw this over to Tia. I have been great. I actually had a lot of time to read comics this week getting ready for uh, Comic-Con. I always feel like I need to study up. New York Comic-Con! Yes. So so I read a lot. Uh, Odyssey is back with number 11. It's beautiful. Uh, This is Matt Fraction and Christian Ward. It's written in, it's written in verse normally, and this one is written in like limerick form, and I don't know why Matt Fraction does this to himself, but it's amazing. Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah. Uh, I also read Tank Girl Gold, number one. I was reading Two Girls, One Tank, and I was super pumped that Subgirl was back. And now there's not, like, why does there have to be Nazis? I have to set, reset my, like, it's been this many days since I've read a comic with Nazis in it, back to zero, uh, which is a super bummer. But and, anyway. Yeah. Um, also, Island, number 11, which is the super cool, um, like, anthology of short stories by um, a variety of creators. I think Emma Rios and Brandon Graham spearhead this. And yeah, yeah. Um, it's just always gorgeous and amazing. Uh, what else? I'm catching up on Elf Quest, the final quest, because I have some like Elf Quest nerd friends um, that I'm going to see at Comic Con, and they're going to expect me to be on my game. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't even know that this was a comic book until I saw it in our notes. Oh God, yes, it's like a really important comic for a lot of women I know who discovered it when they were like 12, and it's like very formative to their ideas of sexuality it's amazing huh yeah it was it's created by wendy and richard peeney um and they are like they like they were uh they were pioneers in like the cosplay community back in the day and all it's very amazing check out ElfQuest for sure someone fat cat checked me on this maybe but i'm pretty sure that that book we read about the female cartoonists uh said that ElfQuest is the most long-running female-led book that absolutely huh, would not yeah. surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so incredible. Um, I read Thunderbolts number five because I love Bucky and I will read anything with Bucky <laughs> in it. And I also yeah. love Jim Zub and he's doing great with the writing. I wish I loved the art more. And I'm not going to say that it's bad art. It's very stylized and it's just not for me. Normally, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But since it's Bucky, it makes me sad. <laughs> Right. The he main, needs to be a beautiful boy. He the, needs the to be time. beautiful. It all needs to be beautiful. Uh, the main book that I read this week that I want to talk about is Surgeon X number one. This is a new image book. Um, it's being edited by the former founding editor of Vertigo, Karen Berger. And uh, I believe that for the writer, Sarah Kenny, this is her first comic. The art is by John Watkiss, and it's really uh, dramatic. It's a book about, um, it's set 20 years in the future. 
And there's a crisis um, in the medical community because antibiotics are effectively not curing diseases anymore. And so um, they have to be very judicious about how they use them. And so the government is stepping in and they're imposing all of these regulations about who is like worthy of getting antibiotic treatments. And, And so this is affecting like who can undergo surgery and people are losing limbs and dying of disease. Whoa. Yeah. So there's this uh, surgeon who thinks this is all bullshit and, you know, it like, kind of goes against the ethics of being a doctor. And so she's kind of like a renegade surgeon. She's like a, she like sets up a, a, a surgery theater in her basement to do like illegal surgery for people who've been denied, um, like, or who would be denied antibiotics by the government. It's kind what? of, yeah, it super freaks me out because this is, I mean, it's at 20 years in the future. Like this is not outside of the realm of, of possible, yeah. you know? Ugh. Yeah. And so it's really, it, it's dystopian in so many ways um, and terrifying in, in its uh, not so distant reality, I would say. Yeah. I saw the cover for this. It's a, it's a very striking cover. Like that, that alone was almost worth me picking it up when I saw it at the shop, but I, I, I haven't yet. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll grab a copy this week when I go to get comics. Yeah. I mean, it pulls in a lot of scary politics that are relevant to our near future, um, mm-hmm. as well as these kind of uh, medical issues. So it's it's a whole lot of scary, basically. Gotcha. Huh. It sounds really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Kate, what about you? What have you been reading lately? I didn't actually have any polls this past week, so this was a week of catching up for me. Okay. Um, I read Civil War II, number five, which is, you know, a 30-page slugfest, which I enjoyed. Um, I read Batman, number seven, and Nightwing, number five, which is the beginning of the Monster Mi- Night of the Monster Men uh, mm-hmm. crossover event for Batman. Yeah, and I like Riley Rossmo's art on Batman a lot more, so that was a plus. Um, the the whole like this is the biggest baddest monster we've ever fought thing is kind of meh no, for it's, me. It's beautiful. But, I love it. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> no, thrown. but I do really yeah. like the interplay of how Batman's experienced this big loss, and now he's trying to keep the rest of his team safe. But of course, that doesn't actually keep them safe, and so on and so forth and so that that kind of dynamic i'm finding interesting so i'm looking forward to continuing to catch up with this arc i think i i missed some other pieces too um or they come out this week yeah i think there were some issues of detective comics that that's the one i missed yeah Yeah. so i have to go on comiXology and find i'm doing it in digital so gotcha um and then my big one was vision number 11 uh this is the second to last issue of this series which is super sad for me because uh, it's my favorite ongoing. Um, although technically, I guess because they announced the end like forever ago, it's more of considered a maxi series now because it's a twelve issue. Right. Um, this issue though is all about catharsis through violence and venting the rage and pain um, that the Vision and his family have have accumulated through the actions of the Avengers, but also because of their own choices. Um, where Vision is desperately trying to keep his family together and has just been failing this entire time. And so in this issue, he goes and confronts the Avengers, who he blames for a lot of this. Um, And it's really frightening. You see just how overpowered he is in comparison to the team. 
um, because he can do the things where, like, he can change his matter composition, right? So that, oh, like, if you try and punch me, it just goes right through me. But if I want to punch through your chest, I can. Oh, goodness. Um, Yeah. And it's not even, what's frightening isn't even how overpowered he is. It's that the ease and determination with which that he's going about it. It's just so matter of fact. He just keeps saying, I need to see this guy. If you don't let me see this, I don't need your permission. I'm just going to do it. So either move aside or let me through, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just repeating himself over and over. I'm just, just let me through. You're not going to let me through. Fine. Okay. And then just very cold, which is, I think, what's what's frightening. Um, when you get to that point of being so angry and so hurt that you just kind of shut down. And uh, that's where he's at. So it'll be really interesting to see how Tom King and crew wraps this up. Um, and then, please, God, Marvel, give me a hardcover deluxe trade of this because I need it so badly. Oh, I'm um, sure they will, and shelf. it'll be like $60. Oh, yeah. But I will pay every penny <laughs> because gotcha. I'm a fool for this series. So how about you, Mike? Oh, I have been stumbling through a, a whole <laughs> sea of manga recently because I oh, have... Oh, no. it, It's not, not in a bad way. It's just it's very, very easy to read. So I've been reading Bleach like it's my job. Um, <laughs> but but that aside, I did catch up on the paybacks number two and three, which had like a very strange digital release schedule. Uh, they came out like two and three came out in the same week, even though number two was supposed to come out two weeks ago or something. Long story short, this this book is kind of... It's kind of all over the place. I think I'm gonna have to reread it all because I feel like there's a there's just a disconnect because there's like a rush on the book. I I, I can't really pin it down. It just feels very rushed. Uh, I read mm-hmm. The Flash number seven, which I spoke about last week that I was really concerned about, and so all of my concerns were right. And mm-hmm. this story has been kind of shaky. I don't know this this story with Godspeed that they're doing in the book is. It's not really my favorite thing. And Joshua Williamson had again, he's kind of back to more clunky dialogue and clunky storytelling, and I don't I don't know what it is. I I'm not really sure if this is how flashbooks usually go or I'm just not the audience that is into this kind of story, but it just feels very clunky. Uh so but I read that and I'm going to still continue it through the arc, but I feel like I'm going to be done with this series once it gets to the end of the story, like the current story point. Um I also read Department H number six. This book continues to be beautiful. I don't think I need to sell this book because I think someone talks about it every month when it comes <laughs> out, so I won't bring it up any further. Uh, I read Disquiet by Noah Van Skyver. Van Skiver? I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name, but it's a. This is a an anthology book of. Or it's a series of short stories that uh, Van Skyver put together that are all created and written and drawn by him. And some of them are watercolor. Some of them are painted. Some of them are are crayons some of them are colored pencils but the inks are all like done in like very nice van skyver style inks and this book the way that i would describe it is it's a series of stories that are all too real all too sad and kind of depressingly funny and that's that's typically what this guy writes and i cannot get enough of it it's it's very on the nose it's very anticlimactic and yet i eat it up like it's cake it's fantastic uh, I got the hardcover of this when I was in Michigan because I happened to see it on the shelf at um, Vault of Midnight, which is on one of those fantastic comic shops out in Grand Rapids. So that was a pleasant read. I actually finished that this afternoon. Uh, but the one book that I really dug that I read this past week, I actually read it last night, was Space Riders Volume 1, which comes from Black Mask. This is like this is written by Fabian Ringel Jr. with art by Alexis Zirit. 
and this is like it reminds me of zines that are super hyper colored and like really punk rock 80s edgy weird animation styles somehow captured inside of a comic book with balls to the wall action in space where everything is mystical and Kirby crackly and and way artistic and like snakes are coming out of eyeballs and like <laughs> dice are rolling across the cosmos as giant celestials battle tiny billions of, of planets all at once it's wild and out like there there is a central story so i don't want to like spoil it because it's very straightforward it's it's just action-packed kind of easy to read easy to easy to digest straightforward story that is just beautiful the art is gorgeous and the story isn't necessarily like i said too complicated but it works it's a very nice just have on your shelf as like a good fun time read nothing too serious nothing too uh, much to concern yourself about I I could like couldn't put this down as soon as I picked it up. It was like I opened issue one and it's just boom colors in your face, neon bright yellows and pinks and oranges, and it's like that from pay every single page is like that. There is no moment of, to, there is no room to breathe really in this book. So you kind of just gotta push through it. And afterwards you're like, I need a nap. It's so <laughs> it's so energetic. Uh, but it was a really good read. I I would recommend it if you're looking for like a ten dollar trade. It's four issues. Really really fun book. So. Let's. Uh, we can just move on. I mean, we're flying through everything. I'm really proud of us this this week compared to the last <laughs> couple on weeks. Topic. Yes. Uh, so comic books come out on October 5th, 2016. What are you guys excited for? What's the book that's on your list? I'm going to throw this back to Kate. I'm most excited for Green Valley number one. Um, sorry, I'm totally stealing your thing here, Mike. But that's fine. It's we fine. can both be pumped. It's exciting. Yes, that's so fine. I was so. I originally saw this on uh, Comixology's pull list thing and the cover caught my eye because they have pretty cool covers and I clicked like the preview stuff and I was surprised uh, by how much I like the dialogue between the characters. This is a comic about knights in a fantasy land um, that are going to face a power that they haven't dealt with before. Um, yeah. And... The, the pitch being, welcome to the world of Green Valley where nothing is ever what it seems. Um, it's written by Max Landis, who did the Superman... Uh, American Alien? Yeah, that one, which I liked a lot. The art looks cool, the covers are awesome, and I'm super psyched. I'm also, uh, side note, super excited for The Wicked and Divine Volume 4, but I need to, yeah, do, a re- I need to do a reread of all three volumes before I can even talk intelligently yes. about this because it's been a while. So Do you read those only in up. trade? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's all do a reread of all of them. That <laughs> that's that's fine. the plan. I feel, I feel like I'm in the same boat. I need to reread the whole book, the whole series. It is one um, of the best series to binge read because it works so beautifully back to back. And I don't understand how people can follow it in single issues. It's uh, agonizing. I would be so lost. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love the covers. And so every time it's on the shelf, I'm like, oh, I should get singles. But then I'm like, no, I can't. But those covers, they're ugh. so the beautiful. Covers. They have oh the my best god! Yeah, the um, the one for next month with the, it's a Kevin Wada Morgan pinup, and I need it. I need that dress. <laughs> <laughs> Tia, what are you excited for this week? Um, well, before I, t- I mention that, I just wanted to ask you, Mike, are you aware there's a Mouse Guard coloring <laughs> book coming out next week? I. You know, I did not know that. I, you know, the, all these color. This doesn't surprise me. I feel like Mouse Guard is kind of falls naturally into the coloring book 
world given all the you know adult coloring books coming out so this is this is but this is news to me the odyssey coloring book was super fun so you i know you love mouse guard just (laughs) yeah thought i would bring this to your attention okay well thank you i Um, appreciate that yes i'm looking out for you i'm looking forward to shipwreck number one which is a new um aftershock series by warren ellis and yes. I, I know I saw some this preview was pages <laughs> like I don't there wasn't a lot of like dialogue or context or really anything in the preview pages but like it's Warren Ellis so I'm sure it's gonna be great and uh, the art by Phil Hester looked pretty awesome so it could be about just pretty much anything and I'll probably love it oh no I I sorry I just pulled up the pull this site because I want that book doesn't come out this week. It got moved to later in October. The curse Why of is this Tia. your curse? Why is this your curse? <laughs> this literally happens every time. <laughs> oh, no. I remember. I think I saw that right before we started recording, and I went to tell you. But, yeah. Oh, this is your curse. I'm Why sorry. Why does this happen? <laughs> well, you should just be excited for Green Valley. I'm because sorry, everyone should just read that. It's not your fault. I'm going to put this. I'm going to blame this on Warren Ellis. This is his fault. It's totally his fault. <laughs> Can I have the Wicked and the Divine then, Kate? <laughs> Do it. Tell us why we need to read it. <laughs> because because it's wonderful. <laughs> and it comes out on time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, uh. I'm also excited for Green Valley. This is Ma- Max Landis, who you know, who did Chronicle. He wrote the movie Chronicle. He wrote the movie American Ultra. He also wrote Superman: American Alien. Uh, this is going to be. I, he's been talking about this on Twitter for a little while, and I didn't know when it was coming out. And the fact that I saw Kate was pulling it for this week actually got me really excited. Uh, but before I had picked that, I actually was really thinking about Giant Days Volume Three. For the last two months, I've been going into Midtown Comics and looking for this volume because I need more Giant Days in my life, and I don't want to switch over from trades to single issues. So this is going to be like the first thing that I read this week. It's I'm going to go to the shop, I'm going to pick it up, and immediately come home and read this trade from beginning to end, and then go back and reread the whole series in anticipation for Volume Four, which I know is got is going to be like another six months out. So this book, I I cannot get enough of it. It makes me so happy. It's one of those books that you can't help feeling better about the world after once you read it. And totally. Totally. It's it's the perfect definition of slice of life comic in yeah. the best way where you don't feel depressed, but you don't feel overly happy. You kind of just feel good. Like it's mm-hmm. it's like eating it's like eating a warm cookie on a on a fall afternoon where you just like to get that perfect mix of of warm and cold and you've got a sweater on and then you sit down and you get warm but everything else is cold around you do you guys know what i'm talking about yeah, or maybe so poetic okay. mike listen yeah. up boom comics save this one for your uh, <laughs> quote bank giant days the warm cookie of comics yes it's so know. accurate <laughs> Mike, I feel like you're on point with these one-liners because didn't you describe Jonesy as so internet and like, yeah. it was also like a perfect description <laughs> of that book? Yeah, so comic book resources or Newsarama, you guys can pay me for my weekly one-liners That's and right, I will just yes. describe one book, <laughs> one book a week for you. You know, I actually, we should keep that for ourselves. That would be a fun new feature of our show. Oh, I like that. Mike's one-liners. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll just do a mini-sode where it's just me giving one-liners for a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like your gaming habits are weighing you down? When we play Dungeons and Dragons, we're dragging books, maps, and minis, and there's never enough room for awesome dimensional terrain. Mobilescape Adventures was founded exactly for this reason. 
They're creating portable tabletop RPG terrain for games like D&D, Pathfinder, Warhammer, and many other systems. Take everything you need to tell a fantastic story in a folder or envelope. MobileScape Adventures terrain is printed on flat board that mounts vertically and adds a third dimension to your gaming. It sets up quickly and packs flat. They have trees, rocks, dungeon tiles, cottages, towers, and much, much more. See for yourself and check out MobileScape Adventures on Kickstarter. Now, I've been using the terrain prototypes for this Kickstarter for, I think, the last six months. Ed, who is the DM of a weekly game that I play, has been bringing newer and nicer and cooler looking versions of the terrain that they've been building up to to get to the Kickstarter. So it's been really awesome to actually have a full map set up on top of one of those vinyl maps with the squares on it. And so you've got your map and you've got your basic idea, but this adds just an extra layer of flair in the game. It's been really, really cool. So if you play D&D or Pathfinder or whatever, it's something that has a you know a grid system that you need to play on, make sure you go back this on Kickstarter. Uh, it ends on October 27th. This is a really, really cool system. I, I wouldn't be talking about it on the show if I didn't believe in it. So please go back it on Kickstarter. That's MobileScape Adventures. It's a terrain set. It's fantastic. So Tia and Kate, you've both been on the show for quite a while. However... I think I don't think we've actually done an episode where we talked about how you got into comic books. Maybe we've hinted at it probably a couple times, but I wanted to speak with both of you today to see, you know, what got you into comics and what's changed since you started getting into comics and like wh- how have your reading patterns changed? What kind of books are you into? And this seems like a really basic thing, but I think it's really important, you know, to understand how, you know, why someone forms the opinions that they do based on the things that they read and what they, you know, basically come from. So I don't know. I'm a, I'll start with you, Tia. Like, how did you get into comic books, and like, what kept you keep reading? Like, what 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 allowed you to like say, you know, I like this book, and I'm going to keep reading this book and other books. Well, I think that a lot of things kind of happened at once, and if anything had been a little different, I might not have gotten into comic books. That's Basically, insane. Well, that's insane. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in grad school, and so most of my mental energy was being put toward really uh, like heavy, intense, challenging uh, reading and and engagement about that reading. And so I started spending a lot of time on Tumblr to kind of just like engage in a in a different way. I think that I'm just an intense person. So the intensity that I put toward grad school, I bring toward, you know, the other things that I do. But it was just, um, it felt more fun and more um, like it gave something back to me. And so this was kind of around the time of like the Thor movie and the Avengers movie. Um, So the, the fandom around that was was everywhere. And so I wanted, you know, being the kind of intense Hermione that I am, I was <laughs> like, well, clearly I need to do my research about all of these things. And the Thor verse was kind of my favorite universe um, in the Avengers movie world. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. decided that I needed to read Thor comics and... I decided to start with the, I think it's 2007 
Jam Straczynski. Yeah, J. Michael Straczynski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite Thor run to date. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, because it just, it was so hard to pick a starting point. And I kind of just had to say, okay, I disavow everything that happened before this. This is where I'm starting. (laughs) Smart, smart. So um, adjacent to that, um, I was, you know, I'm an, I was studying art history, and I'm really, really drawn to to visual storytelling and visual ideas and visual expression. So, um, you know, I was reading these Thor books kind of as homework that I had set for myself. And then um, I should also mention that I was nowhere near a comic shop, and I had no friends in real life that read comics. So I was alone completely. I was reading on the Marvel app on my iPad by myself. And um, I I went, finally went to a, a bookshop that had a little tiny itsy bitsy graphic novel section. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw a Hawkeye trade and the art just w- seemed so interesting and I didn't really care about Hawkeye that much before but the right, right. the book was so intriguing that I picked it up and I realized that you know the comics would be would give back a lot more to me than just um like research on the characters that they were also a, an incredibly interesting like visual medium for storytelling Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that was a that was a way for me to still engage in all of the ways that that I I prefer to and that are important to me and I could kind of use all of this like awful art history theory that I spent all of my time (laughs) slogging through in a way that felt a lot more rewarding to me and so I just kind of slowly started (laughs) spending all of my time that I was supposed to be eventually writing my dissertation um, reading comics instead and And you found like the Hawkeye tag on Tumblr and your (laughs) mind was blown and all that stuff I mean it just yeah (laughs) kind of grew from there and and so I I eventually graduated out of Marvel Comics into Image Comics and kind of have um Um, really expanded what I read because I would find creators that I liked and I would just sort of imprint on them and then I would read everything they ever wrote. (laughs) So it would bring me other places. Right. Um, And, and, uh, and I eventually left uh, grad school. I didn't finish my dissertation. I, I quit and got a job in comics instead. And that is kind of where I am now. Right. So would you say that, you know, your your background in art history and stuff was the reason that you wanted to tackle like a specific writer or follow a specific artist? Was that like you liked this one style and you wanted to see their interpretations across multiple works? Or was it just like a I like this writer? I don't know if you if you had like a particular reasoning behind following creators, because I think that we we on the show, you know, we constantly tell people follow a creator, follow a creator, follow a creator, because if you like their work in one way, you're probably going to like it elsewhere. And I, you know, I think everyone has their own reasons for doing that, maybe because we told them on the show or just you just get attached to a name and you say, I really like the way that they, you know, write their dialogue or something like that. But for you, it sounds like, I mean, your history is a little bit different. So I didn't know if you like had that mentality going in and you were just going to follow someone just just because that's what you would normally do. I don't know if that's what you do in art history, like yeah, art, no, art history I mean, classes. In, <laughs> I'm making all sorts of assumptions <laughs> about what you spent your time in in education. Like in if you're if you're an 
studying to be an art historian, then you typically will focus on a certain group of artists or a style or a period. Like there is some kind of connected thread that brings together what you're working on. And so um, I would say for me, I started out like being interested in following characters that I, that I liked from the movies, which was my first like real prolonged exposure to them. And then Mm -hmm. um, I discovered creators who, uh, presented those characters in ways that I thought was was meaningful or multi layered um, that that like spoke to me in in some significant way, like Journey in a Mystery, for example, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so yeah, and that um, that was what helped me kind of make the leap and and trust those creators to do right by other um, characters or characters that they are making up. Them for their creator-owned work. And with artists, you know, I have a specific style that I really like. And I think that you could definitely draw a straight line from the artists I studied as an art historian to the art <laughs> the to the comic book artists that I like the most. Could you give us an example if you have something off the top of your head? Of an artist or that I used to study or the comic book artists that I like? Well, I mean, if you have like a connection between one or two or like oh, a group sure. versus another group. So um, one of the main artists I studied um, when when I was in grad school is an American artist named Thomas Wilmer Dewing, and he paints these very sort of gauzy, beautiful landscapes that where the entire canvas is just filled with this diffused green bower, and then these like very beautiful attenuated women just kind of languidly uh, hanging out in these um, I guess he he does interiors too, but um, I think that the landscapes are um, the most sort of uh, spectacular examples of what he does, and and they're like they're very they're very quiet, but they're also very like swirling. And the idea is that you can almost like meditate on them, and they they would in, induce some kind of like aesthetic transcendent experience for you. And um, that's a very very abbreviated way of putting it but you know like one of my favorite artists uh in comics is marco rudy who does of course you know the these gorgeous swirling uh like spacescapes or when he's working with you know panels they're often very um the design of them is uh sort of more dynamic or or kind of there's like almost movement to them or yeah they're very like non-traditional like not, it's, yeah it's not just squares it's like the the panel layout is a part of the storytelling exactly piece of, the, of the comic book exactly yes um so so that yeah there's the idea that it's not just what's being presented in terms of the subject but the way that is being presented also informs the ideas that are being told that's incredible i mean <laughs> That that's this is like that all the justification that we want to say you know comic books are a bigger medium and everyone wants to you know say well comic books are for kids and I I don't think that that mentality is so strong anymore and we we talked about this a little bit last week with Jack Kirby um, on the show when when Paul and Nick and I talked about Jack Kirby we were talking about the the fantastic way you can tell a story just through comic books and that's I you were just adding to that so thank you so much for that that makes me feel so much better <laughs> about this thing that I've invested my life in you know. Any time, any time, I will send you the bill for my student loans. Yes, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, 
Kate, let's let's jump over to you. So your start in comics, I'm guessing, is probably different because everyone's everyone's comic start is usually a bit different. I don't it, think you went is. to school for art history. I don't think. <laughs> no, I didn't. But it listening to Tia talk, it has some pretty. Uh, I guess I was slightly surprised. Similarities. Um, the the biggest one being that when I first started reading, it was like this totally independent thing that none of my friends were into, and I didn't have a shop, and I knew nothing about it, and it was just mm-hmm. kind of me on my own reading these books for like almost a full year, um, before other nerds and stuff like that. Um, so I got into it because at the time I was going to a school that like across the parking lot was the big city public library and I would spend huge amounts of time there like between classes getting work done but also browsing and reading books. I was already, I've always been a really big reader um, of novels and nonfiction and stuff like that. And so, um, but spending so much time there is how I ended up wandering and finding the graphic novel section, which was a whole room in this library. so and after so, you finished all the prose books in the library, you said, yeah, what exactly. else is left? Then I moved on. Mati- <laughs> Little Matilda wandered into the graphic novels room. <laughs> yes, yep, that's exactly. about right. Um, <laughs> oh, I would have loved to see that scene in the movie. The, that would have been great. The main thing was, you know, you're doing that hunt for a private corner that's quiet. And <laughs> like, so you end up wandering to parts of the library you've never been in. Sure. Um, anyway, so I found this room and the stuff. And so for the first few months, it was just like looking at covers of trades and pulling them off and reading them. And I was really attracted to uh, OGNs because they didn't, it was contained. You didn't need to know like what number is this in the series. And um, after I moved, the next public library I was at did this really amazing thing where they put on the spine the number of the volume so that you could see very easily on the shelf what, you know, this is one, two, three, or four, and then keep track that way, Mm -hmm. Um, which is brilliant. And I wish all libraries did that because now my current one doesn't either. Um, But at that time, I was just randomly pulling stuff. So I'd take home, you know, volume four of an ongoing series and then be completely lost. Um, Gotcha. Wait, so so the the, the library editions of these books, do they not have the volume number typically on the side of them? They do. And what libraries like to do that is put their library sticker marking stuff over it. Oh, right. Good. Um, or just it's in the, super on the binding, ti- yeah. Yeah, or it's super tiny. So when you're looking at the bottom shelf of a whole big, you know, smashed together thing of trades, it can be really hard to see. Um, so I, I went through, you know, I muddled through reading that way for quite a while and um, found some things. I think I kept going because every few things, like for for every like three or four books that I was pretty meh about or confused and whatever, um, I would stumble across something that just blew my mind and that kept me going. That, in, you know, intermittent reinforcement schedule, as they say, is sure. really powerful. Um, so one of the things I came across was uh, The Sandman. Um, okay. Which I caught my eye because I was already really into Neil Gaiman for his fiction books. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved that. And Stitches by David Small was the first graphic novel that I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. And you could not have done this in prose. Like, Hold on. What is what is Stitches? I've never actually heard of that. <sighs> Ooh, Mike. Okay. You have to go read this one. This is <laughs> on like every list of required graphic novel reading. Um, oh, it man. Is now I a, feel really bad. No. it's So it's a memoir, which is probably why you haven't hit upon it um by david small who he um had cancer of his larynx i want to say anyway it affected his voice and i can't really tell you more than that because it'll kind of ruin some stuff in the story but it is very sure, dark sure. and it is very sad and it's about a childhood that could, could be defined as abusive i think it depends on how you look at it um 
it's definitely unintentional abuse that occurred um and how he got through this and it's very cinematic where this whole thing could easily just be storyboards for a movie um where it moves you through it but his use of negative space and per- perspective to show emotion is so powerful um so that That's one cool. and, and i will have the, to find yeah. that yeah and then the the other one that was the really big one of that you know phase in my comic reading was batwoman elegy by greg rucka yeah um which okay. i checked out over and over and over again and have read several times now um and that was my first cape i think that i was really into and then moved on from there so from there i had a really beautiful wonderful librarian bless their species um who introduced me <laughs> to the melcat interlibrary loan system in michigan right. where you just go on the computer and tell tell it what you want and they'll send anything to you and that's when i started reading series without being completely lost because i'd just be like request number three request number four you know like that mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. And also got more into just requesting stuff from my own library because they had a lot of stuff that I didn't realize they had. It's a big city, so they have like eight or nine satellite locations. Um, And so if it wasn't in mine, it might be somewhere else and then it was getting sent there. So um, that's when I read complete runs of stuff like all the Scott Pilgrim books and went through all the um, Brian Azzarello Wonder Woman books and stuff like that. Um, Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing. And I also join comic book club which mike rapin so graciously started when he was at grand valley and then i did i I, did do that. I joined and met other nerds and that was my first interaction with other comic book type people because i didn't have other friends that read stuff at that point and so that was really exciting and i heard i learned a lot more about and branched out that way um from people saying well you have to read this you have to read this and some of the things they said i had to read i was like why (laughs) i'm (laughs) never trusting you again um but then other stuff was amazing and they were so right um like matt fractions hawkeye was one that of of what would become a friend at the time wasn't um but (laughs) was like you have to read this whole other story that we yeah no 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 no, no. i I didn't know him (laughs) like i had just met him and he's like oh what are you into and i was like well this and this is oh you have to read fractions hawkeye and i'm like he's like i don't care i don't care what you're into you have to read hawkeye because that's kind of pretty much yeah (laughs) and then he's like i'll lend you my coffee and i'm like okay you know um and then we went on to be good friends so see that's that's like the the greatest thing about comics sometimes is that we we end up as individuals who are reading comic books a lot of the times we don't really know a lot of other comic people especially when we start mm-hmm. and then you run into the situation where this person was so excited to like meet you and that you like comic books and like here just take my comic i don't really know you but just take this exactly <laughs> like, that's that's fantastic here's this pile and then you end up reciprocating with like i read this exciting thing that you would never ever have picked up and try right. this you know right so that was kind of where i was and then it was a while past that before i actually started going to shops and i started with the club we'd do the monthly outings to vault of midnight mm-hmm. and that's when i started picking up single issues um but at the time i was in college i you know saving money for ramen noodles so i didn't really buy <laughs> right. i didn't have a pull right. list or anything like that um but um so it was after that that i started having you know once graduating stuff like that having a pull list of physical and digital copies and I got a lot more into reading digital stuff um, when I got a tablet because it's a million times easier to read on a tablet um, yeah. than on a computer screen. I hate reading comics on a computer screen. And I started having issues with really bad arthritis in my wrist, so reading on a tablet became a lot easier than... Like, I wear these 
uh, wrist splints, which are make me so nervous when I read single issue like floppies with them because you know the straps and velcro can hit stuff and oh they like catch on the pages and yeah stuff. exactly and i'm just i'm really awkward because my ulnar nerve is being affected so my hand my fingers aren't very coordinated and so that's when i moved a lot more into reading digital stuff um i got more into comiXology and then the hoopla reading app with uh the library has subscriptions yeah. through that yeah and then uh you guys on the show introduced me to Humble Bundle and <laughs> the money dump that that can be. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's that's pretty much been my saga of comics. That's that's super cool. I mean, that's vastly vastly different than myself. And I know from Paul and Nick, like, and and even like Brian and Xander and John and everyone that's been on the show. Like, I think I've heard all of their stories as well. And it's totally different direction. I mean, I think though the unifier there is that I think a lot of us just started reading comics like without mm-hmm. really any prompt, and then from there we found other people. And I think between me and Brian and John and Xander, we've known each other for a while. So I think it was one of us started reading, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the the medal there and say it was me. But I think <laughs> uh, you know, and then you push comics on people, and they you know they like them, and and it's great. Um, but. In that, so you, you know, Kate, you gave us a pretty, pretty long, you know, uh, story or timeline here. Would you say how, or I guess, how would you say your reading has changed? Like, what are the types of things that you were originally started with versus now? And I, and the question goes for you as well, Tia. Like, how do you, how do you see your reading habits change over, you know, the however many years you've been reading? I mean, my biggest thing was once I figured out how to do the like ordering books and then I became like reading series and not just randomly pulling stuff off the shelves. It's kind of interesting because I track everything I read on Goodreads and so I can go back and I like shelve them by the year. So graphic novels for 2013 and for 2014 and stuff like that. And oh, really? I can go back and see. Yeah. We're oh, friends, man. Mike. You can even <laughs> I, see my I shelves. Didn't even know yeah. <laughs> see, I didn't even know that like you had tracked like that intricately. I wish that I had had that 2000 five when i started reading comic books like I, I at one point i know i had an excel spreadsheet and then i gave up because i was reading so much and i mean it, i think at one point i was just tracking what i had read based on what i had bought on amazon because i uh-huh. at one point i was just buying trade after trade after trade on amazon and yeah that's but that's really cool that you've got that all tracked on goodreads to make you know to say these are all the books that i've read which probably makes it a lot easier when you're trying to say i want to buy the next volume but which volume did i read last exactly so on and so forth yep um, yeah, it actually started because I was already tracking books on there. Um, I For 2013, my New Year's resolution was to read 100 books, but then graphic novels on the list were, I didn't want those to count, so I made it its own shelf, and then that kind of stuck. So now I have my shelf of books and my shelf of graphic novels, which I include trades in that. Um, That's awesome. And and like if I read something in singles, once I get read all the stuff that is in the published trade, I add it to the list. But yeah, so... It's interesting looking back, not only at what I picked up, but then what I liked and how different that is in some ways than what I like now. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, there's stuff that I liked, write, rated really highly back then that now I'm looking at, I'm like, this is too problematic for me to give five stars to, like Electro Assassin <laughs> by Frank Miller. Like, I still oh, really yeah. like it, and it's a great book, but I, I, you gotta knock that down for the fighting in thigh high high heels you know than a bathing suit so yeah um but stuff like that at the beginning i was much more like i just accepted that this is the way comics are 
And mm-hmm. that's so funny because I definitely have the exact opposite where when I first started reading, I was beholden to no one. I didn't give a shit what the 10 graphic novels <laughs> that I was supposed to read are. I'm not going to read Watchmen. I don't go, who, who cares about Watchmen? I'm going to read what I want to read. And then, um, you know, later when I started interacting with other comic people, I was like, okay, well, in order to be like conversant Mm -hmm. in this, I guess I have to read some of the stuff that I actually don't have any interest in, but like, it's so much part of the landscape. Um, I will, I will have a much deeper understanding of the things I do like if I read these things. Right. There's certain, there's certain books that just like in novels where people refer, reference them all the time. And if you haven't read them, you miss. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of. It's, I mean, because comics for me really were the anti grad school. And that was, you know, reading something that I don't want to read, that's what grad school makes me do. (laughs) I'm not doing that to myself with comics. Comics are supposed to be like my respite from that. Uh, but especially now that I work in comics and part of my job is recommending comics to people, I feel more um, of an obligation to be, um, I hesitate to say open-minded, that's not how I would put it, but just to like put myself in other people's shoes and be able to say like, oh, if you like this, you would also like this. Right. I personally don't like that, but it's this is not about me. Um, right. Yeah, so I, I have to read the problematic things or at least be like uh, conversant and aware of these things um, so that I can talk about comics to people who are coming at it from a different perspective than I do. Yeah, that was definitely part of where I moved into reading more. If you look at the like the next year's list, I moved into reading a lot more of the standard things that people reference all the time, like Watchmen and Mouse and um, Persepolis and... Other, I still know, haven't read like Persopolis. That. Oh, Mike. I know. Okay, at least volume one. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's so good. <laughs> there was an odd sort of freedom in not being connected to the to like in real life to comic people or shops in any way. Oh, right. I'm sometimes nostalgic for that time, even though it was very lonely and isolating. That was just a lonely, isolated period of my life because grad school is so awful. But, um, (laughs) you know, uh, my first experiences with comic shops were terrible. Um, I don't. I, I don't live near comic shops. Um, when, when I'm away from New York, my home, I, I, I live in two places. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the place that I live, that I lived before I got my, my job in comics and, and lived in New York part of the time, uh, there's no comic shops around here. So I would drive 90 minutes away to a comic shop. Oh my gosh. Where they oh. would be assholes to me. Oh my gosh. Where goodness. they would not p- place my orders, where they wouldn't add things to my pull list. And so I literally would be like, can I start a pull list with this? And so they would like give me the paperwork to fill out. And then on the day the book came out, I would drive 90 minutes away to go get it. And they'd be like, oh yeah, we don't know what happened with that. And sometimes, and that would be like the nicest (sighs) interaction I had with them. Sometimes they would just be downright like shitty and dismissive about it. Like, um, you know, I, I, I don't like to be like, naming them or or bringing down the wrath of the internet on them or anything so (laughs) so you know i don't don't want to be specific about it but i it was just like the kind of like comic book shop guy stereotype that Mm -hmm. that keeps people from like trying new things and and getting into comics and yeah yeah. now i was 
that was my first experience at the comic shop uh was very similar and i don't feel bad bashing it at all because they are now defunct and the guy went to prison so oh, wow oh. not oh, not for yeah. anything for being like, a bad comic no book no i yes. think it was member. something like tax evasion or something yeah it was like that, it was something but, like tax evasion i know exactly what yeah. you're talking about kate but yeah. that, sh- that was my first shop that i went to um and because it happened to be like right by a bus stop and um it's like was in this kind of wasn't really a basement but you kind of walk down into it so it's like dark and crowded and there's always the one shop guy there like leering at you and asking if you're trying to get something for your boyfriend and i'm just like no boy i i also can read these things and like i never actually bought anything from there because i was just like creeped out and would leave um and even like when i went with a friend who had a pull list there i'm just like oh this is awkward i just want to go right um and I guess that, that that looking at you like you're a unicorn, you know, for existing in that space. Once I discovered that the Valkyries were a thing, mm-hmm. uh, which for those of you who don't know, they're an organization of women who work in comic shops. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that vastly improved my life. I, I, w- I realized that if I drove 90 minutes in the opposite direction to another state, there was a much better comic <laughs> shop. <laughs> we to you. So yeah. dedicated. Yeah. Um, which I, I will give a shout out to Earthworld Comics in Albany. It, once I discovered that they were uh, in a, in a re- reasonably once a month driving distance situation, I would go to their ladies nights that they would have once a month. And oh, that's cool. I met a lot of cool people and made a lot of friends. So um, definitely if you're in the position that Kate and I were in, Keep looking. Look up yeah. the Valkyries. Um, they'll help you find a comic shop where you can meet cool people. Yeah. yeah. It, it, for me, Vault of Midnight opened up in Grand Rapids, and then they weren't they weren't perfect to begin with, but then they also transitioned their manager to being a female, and she turned that shop into a beautiful oasis of awesomeness, and it's wonderful. And they even make a conscious effort to have like 50 50 gender ratio of their staff and everything so you don't walk in there and have it be all dudes every time for, you know, for a while and it was all women at that it shop. was there was a while <laughs> where it was like, it was awesome and i loved it it's just like it, just going into someplace and being just another shopper is awesome which i don't think i think it's one of the harder things for it. it's like, i've heard guys online be like oh well you just want it to cater to you i'm like no i want it to not be an issue when i walk in the yeah. door yeah. i want to like, not yeah. have it mansplained to me why a bitch right. planet doesn't have a regular publication schedule <laughs> i wanted to have a situation where i could browse comics and not have some random guy walk up to me and open a spawn comic to a page uh, a d- like double page spread of a strip club and say yep. do you like this Oh, no, I don't God. fucking like it. And I hate you, so fuck off. Yep. But yeah, th- regarding the the L- the Valkyries, you can follow them on Twitter. I think it's LCS Valkyries. And when I went to Seattle, actually, for a work thing, I like just randomly hit like sent them a message. I was like, hey, is, are there any good shops in Seattle? And they, they threw like two or three. I, or no, actually, I said I was in Seattle looking for a comic shop. And Tia was like, hey, Valkyries, is there anything good in Seattle? And they recommended a place and it was awesome. They had they had really, really weird, intricate, like or not intricate, sorry, rare to find books in this shop just sitting on the shelf with like four or five copies. It like like stuff I can't even huh. find in New York. And I just, I happened to grab like two or three volumes when I was there. It was really cool. Um, that's Phoenix Comics yeah. in Seattle if you happen to live out there. 
Stalkers uh, know their shit, man. Yeah, that, that's it's true. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, you, when you get you get deep into the industry like that, and you're working at a comic book shop for a long enough time, it's like it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you know your shit. At least I hope you wouldn't. You know your shit, it, especially since you know we. I think we see more of these shops that are doing really well, getting more, getting more publication, getting more advertisement, getting more like recognition by people online, which is a huge factor for making those those shops popular. But um, Tia, I, I don't know if we got to you with like, have your comic book reading preferences changed? Have you looked, if you look back at the books that you were really into when you first started versus what you're into now, would you say that there's been like a, like a transition point or something that made you say, here are the types of books that I want to read now versus what you were just reading then to get into things? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely like three acts that br- to my comic reading up to this point, <laughs> the, um, you know, the first, break it down. The first being just like superhero stuff, um, because that's what I was exposed to in the wider like cultural arena, and then from there, getting more interested in in creator owned books and. Now uh, I try to read a little bit of everything and just sort of by the nature of my job, I do read a little bit of everything, whether I want to or not. And it's it's very, (laughs) very illuminating. Let me tell you, Yeah. Um, you know, my core preferences, I don't think are much changed. I still love the same Marvel characters that brought me to comics in the first place. And I am very loyal to the same um, creators who through those characters kind of won me over and um, you know, but that has also opened up a much wider world to me. And uh, I, at this point I'm pretty much willing to try anything as long as it isn't like very uh, expressly sexist and awful. Right. Right. So if we had to, you know, to wrap up, I guess, if we had to recommend anything based on your experiences, and I know we've done episodes about this already, but, you know, given your history in comics, of all the things that you've read, um, what's one thing you would recommend to, like, a first-time reader to say, here's a good way to get into comics? I'll put you on the spot. This is, like, the hardest question you should probably have, like, five hours of prep for. <laughs> but, you know, they, first thing that comes to your mind. Do they want a superhero or, or not a superhero? Well, I would say that it doesn't matter. Right. If you could just think of a, if you think of a good book that you would recommend to someone say, hey, this is a good way to get into comics, period. This is something that I liked when I first started reading comics. What would you recommend? I know that's kind of hard because there are a lot of qualifiers that go into that. <laughs> but it just plain Jane, if you didn't know the person, you just had to put out a, you know, a, a random, you know, recommendation. What would it be? Yeah. So I um, have my go to for this because of uh the comic book club stuff and trying to recruit people and a lot of people joined club that had never actually read comics they were joined or came to the first meeting at least because of all the hype around comic book movies and so a big part of the beginning of every semester was like uh for all the newbies being like here's here's the starting point here's some good jumping on points yeah. um you ran and, that club for a little while right kate yeah 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 okay good i just want to make sure that that was known that you ran the comic book club because that's a big deal i mean i used to i mean being the person that ran that club for a few years that was is it's crazy chaos and and your club was way bigger than when i started semester yeah well humble brag took it from like 11 to 40 people oh yeah um and then got it to a 50 50 gender ratio which was really exciting because that was one of my goals too um but anyway so my go-to's are saga because 
it's not for all the people who are like oh you know comic book cases especially females that are like that's you know those are boy little boy comics basically for children and of course that we know that's not true but um saga is beautiful it's really accessible because you don't need to know anything about extended universe it's not like you need to know what's happening in the rest of the dc universe or anything like that like it's all super self-contained if you start at volume one you have the story um and it's fast-paced for anyone who's not i think a lot of people like comics because they're lighter and so the story really moves right along i also recommend matt fractions uh hawkeye to as a starting point because I love it so much. I don't think there's a really good rationale for this one, but because I think it's like one of the best trades that you can read. But yeah, Hawkeye's, about- a, Hawkeye's a great suggestion. I think it's a good way to get someone into a non-traditional way of starting a comic book about a superhero and also give them a different perspective on a superhero. But Right. Yeah. In, in my experience, when people are asking or looking for a recommendation or kind of needing one, even if they're not asking for one, it's because they haven't already jumped on and the people who already jumped on are the people who are like gung-ho for the real cape stuff and they're like they're already reading superman or they're already super into the avengers you know stuff like that and they don't that so the people looking for recommendations are more people who i feel like at least in my experience weren't super gung-ho about that really traditional capes comics type stuff and so that's where saga and fractions fractions hawkeye are good good spots to go and then for people who friends i have that are big readers already um that i'm like but comics are awesome too you should try this i always start with the sandman gotcha cool and tia what about you um yeah i think that saga and hawkeye are great uh kind of bookends for for new readers to get the superhero and non-superhero side of things i also would throw in young avengers yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um partly because um it's even though they're like legacy characters kind of um it's a pretty self-contained story and um in a lot of ways it's kind of about the it's it's about like staking out on your own like like building on this thing that has all of this history and backstory and but like making it your own which i think is something that is a really nice idea for new comic readers Mm -hmm. uh so yeah i would add that to the list i have always when talking with people about how to get into the bigger universe stuff like marvel and dc my recommendation has always been to start with solo books because team books can be really intimidating when you don't know the extended stuff but i think young avengers might be a good exception to that rule because it's pretty contained you figure it out along yeah, the way. The exactly. Stuff that you need. And I think that also there's a there's a really important lesson to be learned um, when you're getting into comics, which is that you're never going to know everything. Right. So, exactly. Um, Time learn, to roll with it. Yeah. Learn what to roll with and um, learn how to you'll learn how to pick it up as you go along. I think Young mm-hmm. Avengers is a good book to kind of like uh, develop that sort of ability to just accept that this is what it is. This is what it is, and I don't know how it got here, but it, here we are. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right, right. exactly. Just go with it or Wikipedia it. Yeah, yeah. I would also say this is kind of a more recent book, but um, for someone who's looking for a, a non-Big 2 Kate book, I really like Plutona. Oh, I haven't finished that. You haven't? Okay, then I'm no. not going to say anything. because I it's heard it's like, very good, though. Yeah. Um, it's another one that kind of plays with the idea of superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that for people who are like, 
critical of superhero comics, uh, they would be interested in reading about that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. Our host and producer is Mike Rappin, and the show is edited by Xander Riggs. Special thanks this week to Kate Scotchless and Tia Vasiliu. The music in this episode is brought to you by The Floozies and Infinity Shred. You can find more of The Floozies on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Duo. And as always, you can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy this show, tell someone about it, rate us online, or write to us. Tell us about the formative years in your comic book reading career by emailing us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. You can ask us questions and comment on each episode on our subreddit at ireadcomicbooks.reddit.com. The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Books group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book, and we chat about the comics we've been reading. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back-issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit our website at ircb.us. If you have a moment, please take a second and fill out our survey at ircb.us survey. We'd really love to get feedback from everyone who listens to our show. And until next time, from all of us here at the podcast, thank you for listening. Oh my god, you guys, Marco Rui is going to be at New York Comic Con. I so know, I know. I feel like I'm going to cry if I see him. Oh my god. So did I tell you what happened in San Diego? I was talking to Hope Nicholson and I told her that I love Marco Rudy. And she whipped out her phone and she texted him and she's like, my friend loves you. <laughs> <laughs> no way. So no way. I'm like, going to go up to his table and be like, hi, remember that crazy person your friend texted you about? Yeah. Uh, you know, your 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 interaction with him can't be any more embarrassing than my interaction that I had with Annie Wu last year, uh-huh. where I walked up to her and I was like, "Hi, I really like your stuff. Could you please sign these?" And I mean, it wasn't that awkward. But I was like, "Hey, could you sign these?" She was like, "Sure," and she was really pleasant. And I was standing there and I was trying to do the thing that you I don't know try to talk to creators. And I was like, "Hey, I really thank you for your Twitter. It's really great." <laughs> <laughs> She was like, oh, she was like, oh, thanks. Her Twitter is pretty great. I know, and it is. And I was like, no, but I should have just stopped right there. But instead, I kept going. (laughs) And I was like, I think I told this story on the show already. But I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes when I'm up at two in the morning, I'll see that you tweeted. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that someone else is up doing weird stuff like I am. She's like, (laughs) and she kind of like laughed because she always tweets about the most weird, ridiculous shit. And she's like, yeah, you know, sometimes I forget that a lot of people can see that. (laughs) Oh, thank you for signing my Hawkeye comic. Goodbye. (laughs) Okay, so do we have to have an episode where we all talk about our embarrassing creator interactions? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. I, I mean, I could even, I could go on and tell my my curing my I've, other curing. I've Gale, told Gale my Electra art signing story where yeah, all yeah. my Electra got signed by the guy I hate. Oh, that's <laughs> no, right. Stop. That was a great story. Stop. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't even work on this book. That's why I love it. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know if anyone's story can be more embarrassing than the first time I saw Kieran and Gil and I at New York Comic Con, I pointed at him and shouted his name. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like why do they let me anywhere near other people yeah i i i when i got my uber comic signed last year i didn't have any wicked and divine to get signed or anything because that was uh, him and jamie were there for so i bring up these like this stack of fucking nazi comics and i'm just like hey could you sign these and he was like oh you're the first person to bring these comics to get signed by me i was like yeah i really enjoy the series he's like do you want me to write anything on it? i was like yeah could you write nazi punks fuck off and he looked at me and he was like what i was like because you know there's like that song and he was like oh yeah right and i don't i I, i'm sure that in hindsight he probably knew what i was talking about but i was just so like ready to go like i was prepared to ask him please sign nazi punks fuck off and like ugh, because you know i am a weirdo I totally fangirled with Tim Seeley about Revival at C2E2 oh, okay. a few years ago, but it worked out really well. He was like, I told him how I used Revival to get, one. so my main goal when I took over Comic Book Club was getting the gender ratio more balanced out because it was a total sausage fest and that annoyed me. Oh, totally. Um, and so in part of getting girls in and staying, I was trying to... Um, I had a, a roster of comics I recommended to people that were not disgustingly sexist. Um, and w- one of the main ones I used was Revival for first volume because it's like a female character who actually has more than one personality trait, you know, is oh, yeah, multidimensional so and awesome. But yeah, exactly. And it's awesome. And for people who are like, well, I don't really like superheroes. I'm like, oh, have I got the thing for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I told him about that and how we had gotten to 50-50 split. And I was like, it's all because of revival. <laughs> and, and, you know, and he was super into it. And he's like, here's this free signed poster because you're awesome. I'm like, oh, I love you. Bye now. I have to go to the bathroom to collect myself. <laughs> like, None of us are cool. It's, it's a problem. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, these people are for some reason like crazy celebrities, and they're just like regular people who happen to mm-hmm. you know write books. Scott Snyder is like he doesn't know his own power; he just wants to chat it up and fangirl with you, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I really like this too. And I'm like, just don't you know you're a god? Why are you talking to me? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to get an eyebrow twitched up selfie with Scott Snyder. I feel like oh, that would it. be so perfect. Kelly Sue do does it. the like duck face selfies. Mm-hmm. He should he should do the eyebrow selfie. You got to start it. Start it this year. Tweet it from Comicsology. Make it like super legit. I'll see. I'll see what I can do. 